Warning, this podcast is rated effed up for profanity, sexual violence, and potentially disturbing material. If I were you, I'd turn back now. We're back. For you, it's been a week. For us, it's been about 20 minutes. Yep. This is this is how we roll at the Macabre Academy. It is now after midnight, so we're this is now not only a two-dayer, but a two-parter, but a two-dayer. <laughs> That's fair. I didn't even think of that. Oh boy. All right, we got some fun banter or are we diving right into the the case. It's already getting late. Let's get the hell out of here. All right. So what happened last episode, Kev? What do you remember? A lot of fucked up stuff. You you want to attempt to no, all right. No, I got go it. back and listen. Go back and listen to part one. All right. So, just a reminder: we got Gary Heidnick, who has a history of mental illness and rape, and liking women with lower IQs. He's got a god complex. We got SBD rolling around here, and all that fun stuff. So, after he tries to kill himself, he decides to start a church. And as he's starting a church, we start picking up women off of a street corner and throw them in a basement after raping them and, you know, chaining them and securing it with super glue. So we're, we're kind of in his basement at the moment. And he's got a woman named Josephina, who's 25, and another 24-year-old woman, Sandra, in one pit. In his basement. And this is what they based Buffalo Bill off of. From Silence of the Lambs. Now, he's already started to mentally torture them by digging a bigger pit. And I believe Kevin knows why the pit is now getting bigger. I guess I might if I opened up my notes app instead of reading about the upcoming COVID um, assistance program, which is... Looking pretty good, actually. If I may take a sidetrack here. Sure. It looks it looks like Biden is suggesting a $1,400 stimulus check in addition to the $600 that we already got. Yes, please. He's also going to add uh, $400 a week to unemployment. Also nice. Yeah, not bad at all. And apparently there's also going to be a here, it's 1.9 trillion uh, that aims to speed up distribution of the vaccine. Even better. You know what? I'm about it. Sorry. Good. Got distracted. It's okay. It was a pleasant distraction because we're about to dive into more fuckery. That's 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 I'll take an extra $400 a week on my unemployment. Wait, you're getting unemployment because you couldn't not, go back to work? Not at the moment, but I was. I got to reapply. There you go. Are you going to be able to go back to work when this is all said and done? I don't know if you're because you work I in was, a peculiar industry. <laughs> I was told yes, but I haven't spoken to my boss in nine months. Why not just touch base? I try. He doesn't respond. Well, I'm not surprised because I know who your boss is. I also don't know where to go from here. But anyway, where we should be going from here, because it's already late as hell and I want to go see my wife at some point tonight, is we should be talking about young Lisa Thomas. Lisa Thomas, who was 19 at the time, was kidnapped on December 23rd, 1986. So, Merry Christmas Eve. Eve. Yeah, three days before I was born, literally. You're just bad luck for everybody. I, right? She was added to the basement in the same manner as the other two women. Or them into the house with consensual sex in exchange for payment. He would then abruptly lock them into a chokehold from behind, render them unconscious, where they would then be brought to the basement, stripped, shackled, and as always, he superglued the locks closed and then crammed them into a shallow pit in the basement, which was 
sealed with sandbags on top of the boards, which is a new one. He didn't do that before. He, he's getting better. Uh, he hasn't made the pit much bigger, though, because he's lazy. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty shallow hole. It takes a lot of effort to go deep. Hey, there's a lot to be said for laziness. <laughs> Not in this case, but in general. I'm sure. Hey, being lazy has saved me a lot of money over the years. Oh, God, I wish I could be lazy right now. So much work. So much On work. January 1st or 2nd, 1987, Deborah was brought into the basement. Uh, she was not docile and would spit and fight Gary uh, Gary frequently. She was not about to lose her personal dignity or respect, and for this, she paid dearly. Deborah, I forgot to put her last name in the notes. I feel so bad. Deborah, yes. what was her last name? You Google, I'll read. Okay. So Gary had a system of bringing women into the house at this point. If they complied, they would be allowed out of the pit and given a rubber mattress. Uh, the next day, if they were still, quote-unquote, good. Dudley. Let them, I'm sorry? It was Deborah Dudley was her there name. There you go. Yeah. I'm so sorry I forgot that. It's not respectful to her that I forgot her last name. I'm so sorry. We've now we've now fixed that problem, so we're fine. Okay. As I was saying, if they were still "quote unquote" good the next day, he would let them sleep on a regular mattress. He would bring them better food, and if they misbehaved, they were taken back to the pit. And this went on for as long as Gary deemed necessary. Gary was also unpredictable. He would fly into a rage, and it meant the women were continually raped, beaten, and tortured. Uh, there were powerful rewards as well as punishments to get the women to want to do what they were told. It also pitted them against each other. Having one of their own aid in the punishment if they acted up, if you don't beat her and beat her hard, then it's going to be you. This was a quote uh, by Josephina about what had happened to her. On 18 January 87, Heidnick abducted Jacqueline Askins. Yeah. She, at the time, was the youngest of the six victims. She was about 18, year old, 18 years old at the time that she was abducted. She was also a prostitute, and he had not only solicited her services, but his ploy to get her to come home was, uh, I'm sorry, but it was mind-blowing. He convinced her to go to the house because he had an ice cream cake in the backseat of his car that he needed to put in the freezer. So once they entered the residence... Gary and Jackie wound up playing arcade games for a little while. He apparently just had them lying around his house or some shit. But uh, next thing she knew, Jackie was in a headlock. Now, she remembers being led down the stairs of the basement in chains. And that horror that hit her when they came to the bottom of the stairs and turned were that there were four dirty and battered women in chains having a birthday party for Josephina because she was the new woman. She didn't get to engage in the party. She was stripped and jammed into the hole and she called it your personal grave. She's the fifth women woman in the basement at this point during a TV interview, which occurred on May 5th, 2018, uh, there, okay, so the interview was a special report called Gary Heidnick's House of Horrors 30 Years Later. And Jackie stated that Heidnick had wrapped duct tapes around their mouths and then stabbed them in the ears with a screwdriver, especially her. Uh, the, the idea was Gary didn't want them to get rowdy and escape. Because he could realize that the women could hear him coming and going. 
He also insulated the outside world from hearing the women by placing sandbags over the windows. And as we remember in part one, he would blast rock music constantly to cover their screams. So one day during this ordeal, Sarah, Sarah, I'm so sorry, Sandra somehow disobeyed Gary. The the women were a little ambiguous as to what, but he boarded her back into one of the pits. When Sandy attempted to crawl out, he wound up chaining her up by the wrists to an overhead beam with handcuffs. And he left her there for like a week. Okay. And during the time of that week, he would beat her with a stick. The other women were also restrained to the point where they could not reach her to help her. So he finally tried to bring her down to alleviate the punishment and force feed her bread. But when he undid the wrist handcuffs, her body just fell on the floor. Apparently she had died of a combination of the starvation, the torture, and an untreated fever. Another source said that she had died from the weight of her body on her lungs. So she was essentially crucified. Now this is where it gets extra rough. Heidnik is in a scramble. Okay. He has to do something with this body and Sandra can be tied back to him. So he decides it's a good idea to dismember her. And then he also solicits the help of his other captives. He somehow like magically convinced that I don't want to say magically. It just with all the torture and stuff going on, he convinced them that if the cops found her, her corpse, right. All the women would be in trouble for being accomplices. So he had each woman make sure that they made a cut into Sandy's body. So all the women were assigned an appendage to remove and Gary took off the head. What sucks even worse is he had problems dealing with the arms and the legs once they were moved. So he put them in the freezer and marked them as dog food. He then placed the ribs on a tray and put them in the oven and then proceeded to boil the head on a pot on the stove. What is mind blowing to me is that a police officer came to the house because the neighbors were complaining about the smell. He tried to knock on the front door, but there was no answer. So he went around back of the house and was peeking through the windows, trying to see what was going on. And he saw the pot on the stove. So he walks back around to the front of the house. And before he can knock on it again, the door pops open. There's Gary already trying to explain what's happening. He's like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm cooking a roast. I fell asleep and I burned it. This officer's like, okay, this is plausible. All right. Everybody burns their dinner now and again. And then he leaves. Now, what, what hurts my brain. Okay. What, what is literally a mind fuck for me is the stench of a human body being cooked or burned or rotting is very distinct. I I don't know if this cop was a rookie and had never smelled a dead body before or something, but I don't know how you don't know that there's something wrong. Like a burnt roast wouldn't smell like that. I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. Anthony Sowell was my first case on this podcast. And this happened with Anthony Sowell. The entire community could not figure out the stench. And police officers were deployed to his house. Couldn't fucking figure it out. I think we should know by now that if you smell something that bad, it's not a fucking roast. 
Okay. So according to eyewitness testimony and several other stores, sources, Gary, suppo- Gary ground up the meat or flesh from Sandy and mixed it with dog food to feed to his other captors. Josephina confirmed this. Other victims confirmed this. I watched the tapes of the interviews. And what sucks is he had already been feeding them regular dog food sandwiches because Jackie had been watching TV and remarked on a commercial where they were showing all the ingredients for this dog food. And she said that those meat and potatoes looked just like super delicious because all she had at that point was bread and water. So Gary's like, okay, well then if that looks that good, you guys can eat dog food then. His defense attorney said that upon examination of a Cuisinart and other tools in his kitchen, that no evidence was found of this. Uh, the attorney went on to say that they had made up the story to in to support his defense of insanity. The DA said that he started the rumor of cannibalism in public and the fact that there was no evidence of anyone eating human flesh. Don't you love defense attorneys? Yeah. So oh, good. speaking of defense attorneys, Trump has decided not to pay his. What? What? That? What's his name? Giuliani. Yeah. What? Why wouldn't he pay his loy- lawyer? He's going to need him when he's out of office. Um, well, actually, he needs him now because there's nobody to defend him for the impeachment trial. Wonderful. So, what? what how does he think that this is going to happen if he doesn't pay him? Because Trump has a history of not paying people. Lovely. Why Why am I not surprised? Right. I mean, color me shocked. Uh, and Giuliani was billing 20 grand a day. So he owes him like a billion dollars at this point? He, quite a lot, yes. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And apparently Trump's also ducking his calls. Wait, where did you see this? I, the internets. You got to put the article in. The, I'll have to find it. Please find it. Put it in the Discord. Speaking of which, guys, live chat from Macabre Academy. Discord, free. Super Dank free. memes. Dank memes. Dank the dankest. Memes. The dankest. Shadar puts some of the best memes up. He's so good at finding stuff for me. Like I said, the dankest. (laughs) (laughs) The meats are good, people. Well, there's another kind of dank, like a dark, dank basement. Oh, I see what you did there. I love a good segue. I'm getting good at him again. You really are. I'm trying. So in this dark, dank basement of Gary Heidnick's house, we have Deborah. Okay. We sure do. Deborah Dudley. And she is continually being rebellious and giving Gary Heidnick some hell. Okay. Trouble nuts. Giving him the business. Yep. So Gary devises a new torture to try to get these girls like reined in. Okay. I saw an interview where he was explaining this and it is so cold. And the annoyance in his voice just just sent chills up my spine. But he devises, all right, let's use electric shock. So he forces Lisa, Deborah, and Jackie bound in chains back into the pit. Josephina was giving some testimony on this, and she says it possibly occurred on March 1st of night. 1987. Yes. Heidnick had added about an inch or two of water to the hole. And then he had forced Josephina specifically to help 
apply electrical current from stripped extension cords to the woman's chains. Okay. So, of course, this was uncomfortable. This was awful. And as a result of the electrocution, Deborah fell face first into the water. Now, Jackie was still conscious and she started to scream that she thought Debbie was dead. So Gary picks up Debbie's head by the hair, lifts it up, examines her and goes, now my troubles are over. I can go back to having a peaceful basement. Completely fine with the fact that she was dead. Problem solved. So Josephina was first in the basement. So he's had the longest time to work on her. Okay. So she, there's like a chain of command. The, the order in which you entered the basement was like you were in charge of the other women, basically. So he forced Josephina to write a letter admitting that he and her had killed Deborah by electrocution in the basement. And they both signed it. And this was purely a control mechanism, right? He tells her, if you turn me in, then you're going to be turning yourself in. He removed Josephina's chains at this point, And the pair disposed of the body in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. Since he already determined that cutting up the body was too difficult. And this was March 22nd of 1987. Now. If Josephina had escaped while she was out of her change at this time, she knew that Gary would turn around and kill all the women to cover his tracks. And this was a risk she was not going to take. Okay. They go out the next day and they find a new prostitute and he has Josephina help lure the prostitute in. Her name is Agnes. She recognizes Josephina in the car and willingly gets in because she had also been solicited by Gary previously. Okay. So she is brought there and put in the hole. Now, at this point, Josephina convinces Gary to let her go temporarily to go visit her family. Okay. Why are my notes that far out of order? I'm going to find what I want to say. It's just, it is not where I want it to be. All right, I need elevator music for a minute. Please sound me. Okay, I'm going to just go off of memory. And we're back. Thank you, sound maiden. Love my elevator music. Okay. So let me explain Josephina a little bit better because I lost my notes and this is really important. Josephina figured out Gary Heidnick. Okay. Now she was there the longest and she looks like an accomplice at this point. But in reality, okay, when you're in an extreme situation like this, she realizes that crying and screaming and fighting isn't going to get her anywhere. So if she can convince Gary to trust her and that she is drinking his Kool-Aid, then she might have a chance to escape. And she just doesn't want to escape for her. She wants to get everybody out of there. So every chance she gets, she tells Gary, hey, I understand. I'm here for you. She realizes that this entire fucked up thing that's going on right now 
uh, is because Gary has like family issues. Okay. Because at one point, Gary Heidnick tells all the women in the basement that his goal was to get 10 women down there so that he can get them all pregnant and basically have a baby farm down in his basement. And then his family can't get taken away from him the way that the other children he birthed were because they were all put into foster care. So he has created this elaborate fantasy world of a baby farm in his basement. And she goes, okay, all right. I, I get it. You're lonely. You know, I'm here for you, whatever you want. So Gary learns to trust her to the point where she's allowed into the house. He brings her like hot chocolate, hot dogs, uh, rewards, right. For doing whatever he tells her to do. And she's even allowed upstairs to watch movies with Gary, but every night he brings her back down, puts her in the shackles. Okay. So she figures all this shit out. She's so fucking smart. So she's like, I am going to use this against Gary Heidnick and get all of us out of there. So she says, hey, look, take me to go see my family. Okay. I need to tell them goodbye because I'm going to stay with you forever. And we're going to, I'm going to help you make all these children. And basically she placates his ego and is like, I'm going to give you whatever you want. But he's like, oh, okay, well, if you help me with this, since I trust you, we're going to go, we'll let you say goodbye to your family. Okay. And she's so smart. She manipulates the manipulator. She says, look, you cannot pull up in front of my house because then my family members may be able to ID you or they'll recognize the car. So Gary's like, look, you got 15 minutes. And if you don't come back, bad shit is going to happen. And in his mind, there's no way that Josephina would defy him. He thinks he has her that far conditioned. This God complex that he has is going to be his downfall. And there's like some theories that he just wanted to get caught. That's why he took Josephina to see her family. That is not the fucking case. She got back at him. So he drives her to the gas station and said that he would wait for her there. So this badass bitch gets out of the fucking car and calmly walks away from him as she can, right? Until she is out of his visual view, right? He can't see her. And that is when she goes to the closest pain phone and she fucking calls 911. She explains that she was kidnapped, beaten, raped, and tortured over four months. And she starts hysterically trying to tell the police to go to Gary's house and that there are other women being held captive there. And if they don't go right now and get Gary right now, he will go kill them immediately. She even tells the officers where Sandra's remains are and the location of Deborah's body. Now, the responding officers decide to believe her because they can see the chafing and the bruising from the chains on her arms and her legs. So, like, there has to be something to this. The officers go to the gas station, locate the car, and instruct Heidnick to turn it off. Now, Gary gets out of the vehicle, puts both hands above his his head, and he's like, what is this all about? My child support? And the officer goes, no, it's a little more serious than that, (laughs) and arrests Gary on March 24th, 1987. Now they're trying to also get Josephina to calm down, but she was very, very adamant. Get to the house now. 
go get the other girls. What are you doing? What are you waiting for? Go. There's other girls. So she kept repeating this. She was hysterical. Policemen head to Gary's basement. And there is a lot of stories from the responding officers that were really emotional. And they said that it just didn't seem real when they came down those stairs. And when they entered the premises, they smelled the death. They recognized the smell. And all of the TVs and the radio were up full volume, and it was absolutely deafening. They can only go down the stairs by flashlight. And when they get to the bottom of the stairs, somebody, like, flicks the light on. And they say two women shackled on a mattress, bloody, beaten, and in horrific conditions. Now, Jackie is the first one to realize, because they don't react right away, that this was the authorities. She went bounding to her feet and started shaking Lisa awake because she was asleep on the mattress. And they all start crying and hugging each other. We're saved, we're saved, we're saved. And when they calmed down a little bit, they also pointed to the pit and they kept saying, she's in there, she's in there, she's in there. The officers pulled the sandbags off the planks of wood and free Agnes at this point. None of them had ever seen anything like this and they hoped to never again see something like this. Witches, I am in love with this family-run business, Mystical Existence, the bath products that turn your ordinary self-care ritual into a celestial experience. As a witch, my bathing habits are sacred, so I was overjoyed to find products that not only smell amazing, but don't irritate my sensitive skin. My favorite scent is Scorpio which was designed with Maggie's daughter and the perfume her mother used to wear at heart. All soaps, lotions, and bath bombs are handmade with supplies that are purchased from ethical and responsible manufacturers. A portion of the products are vegan for all you animal lovers out there. As the wheel of the year turns, new products are designed to match the seasons. Currently only available In the United States, you can find Mystical Existence on Facebook, Instagram, or at their website, mysticalexistence.com. For 15% off, use our promo code MACABRE. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. So apparently there was a best friend also involved with this. Uh, Cyril also known as Tony Brown, was arrested in conjuncture with Heidnick. Brown was later released on $50,000 bail and the agreement that he would fully testify against uh, Heidnick. In part, Brown admitted to witnessing Lindsay's death in the basement and Heidnick dismembering her. Lindsay's the last name of one of the victims. I'm so sorry. I didn't correct it. That would be Sandra. Sandy's death. He saw Sandra Lindsay. There you go. Mm -hmm. However, it would ultimately be Josephina's testimony that would put him away for good. She has been the most vocal out of all the women and has written a book on her ordeal. Do we have the name of that book? Oh, I forgot to put it in there. Hold on. Shortly after his arrest in April of 87, Heidnick attempted to hang himself in his jail cell. At his arraignment, he claimed that the women were already in the house when he moved in. Oh, yeah. It was great. You know, some people leave a pool table. Other people leave a bunch of women. You know, it it happens. It's a thing. You just, you know, you forget. You're you're moving out in a hurry. You don't want to move the pool table. You just leave it there for the next people to deal with. 
Oh, Cellar Girls, the name of the book Josephina wrote. There you go. Cellar Girl. It is available on Amazon. It is on my wish list. You can also buy it from a local independent bookstore probably and try to save some local businesses. I love Amazon, but we're trying here. Uh, That's why it's on my wish list. Book Depository out of the UK, also a great place to shop. There you go. Their shipping times are horrendous, though. (laughs) Just put that out there. So at this point, after he said that the women were already there when he moved in, at trial, uh, Heidnick was defended by a Charles Peruto, Peruto Jr., anyway, who attempted to prove that Heidnick was legally insane. Heidnick's insanity was successfully rebuted by the prosecution, led by Charles F. Gallagher III. Oh, we got a junior and a third in one trial? Oh, yeah. It's a good one. I like it already. That's a great trial. Uh, Let's see here. The fact that he had amassed approximately $550,000 in his his brokerage accounts was used to argue that he was not insane. Testimony from his Merrill Lynch financial advisor, Robert Kirkpatrick, was also used to prove competency. Kirkpatrick called Heidnick an astute investor who knew exactly what he was doing, convicted of two counts of first-degree murder on 1 July 88. Heidnick was sentenced to death and incarcerated in the State Correctional Institute in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So a year, not even a year, like six months later, in January of 1989, he attempts suicide by overdose on his Thorazine. (laughs) So that didn't work out too well for him. In 1997, Heidnick's daughter, Maxine, from his first wife, Betty, filed a suit in federal court in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania seeking a stay of execution on the basis that Heidnick was not, in fact, competent to be executed. Now, this woman was forced to watch him have sex with other women. They, uh, she helped get him convicted of spousal rape. And now she's helping file a stay of it. Or his daughter, the ex-wife and the daughter from the situation are filing stays of execution. Sure. Why not? After two years of legal proceedings in various courts, okay, so we're talking about July 3rd, 1999, the U.S. District Court of Eastern District of Pennsylvania issued the final ruling that cleared the way for Heidnick's execution. Now, Heidnick was executed by lethal injection July 6th, 1999. This was at the State Correctional Institution, Rockview, in Center County, Pennsylvania. He is also cremated, okay? So the body does not exist anymore. And as of 2020, he is the last person to be executed by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He remains the third of only three people to be executed in Pennsylvania since the resumption of the death penalty. Kev, what are your thoughts on the death penalty? I'm just curious. I've never asked you, and this is one of the first gruesome cases we've done in a hot minute. Well, the thoughts on the death penalty kind of spiral into a larger discussion on the judicial system and testimonies and things like that. Mm-hmm that's not a discussion you're willing to no it is i'm just trying to work through it in my head oh that's fair i I worked through it a little earlier with the wife and then it's been so long that i've now forgotten what what of our discussion was clearly there's problems with our judicial system i think everybody can pretty much agree with that Mm -hmm. my thoughts are this is actually extremely topical uh, in more ways than one that the federal government of the United States just executed a woman 
for murdering the man, I believe it was a man, who kidnapped and raped her for years. And the United States government just put her to death, I think, yesterday or today. Uh, We are recording this on 15 January 2021. I didn't even know this. Yeah, it just happened. Uh, My wife's been all over it. So I don't remember. I unfortunately don't remember her name. I can probably find it on my wife's Twitter account real quick. But I mean, that's some bullshit. Like, that's. I mean, that's very upsetting to me. It, it really is. And we could definitely use some elevator music here while I go through these tweets. No, I I can't find it right now. Oh, here it is. Uh, the case is of one Lisa Montgomery. Mm. Can you retweet really it? I I will figure out. I will find it and and do all of that. Yes, mm-hmm. but um, I mean executions like that are fucking bullshit. Like, first of all, that woman shouldn't have been convicted of fucking anything. But that's, actually, they they um they they get like I don't know maybe I watched too much SVU but um they would they wouldn't a, a, a district attorney would not prosecute cases like that. In well, they did. They did, and then they killed this woman. Be, so uh, our judicial system is is very very fucked up in this country as i'm sure most of our listeners know i don't know what our demographics are but i'm gonna assume we have a lot of american listeners mm-hmm. this justice system is racist there's problems with that we've talked about here on this podcast with testimony eyewitness testimony all those kind of things see our last episode on the mandela effect for more on that my wife is of the opinion that prisons shouldn't even exist. And I think that might be a bridge too far for me, but she's fully in that camp. I am not there. Then there's all and the problems that we've already talked about. There are some things that happen, this case in particular, as an example, of behavior that is so far removed from the societal norms that in my opinion you forfeit your rights as a citizen of the world Mm -hmm. in order for societies to function we all agree to live by a certain set of rules. And, okay, you sell some drugs to help your family, whatever. I don't care. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't give a shit. You run a giant drug distribution ring where you're killing off competitors. I have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. You should be punished for the lives that you've taken. Should you be executed for them? Maybe. Depends on how, you, you know, if you just shoot them. Okay, that's one thing. That's business. And you deserve to be punished for that in some way. You probably deserve to be locked in prison for the rest of your natural life. Assuming that the trial is fair and equal and the proof is there that you've done what they've said you've done. You know, you rob a bodega, you should be punished for that in some way, shape, or form. You should be made forced to make restitution. Maybe you should be in jail. I, I, I don't have the answers here, and I'm not saying I do. But there are things that are so egregious where you have gone so far beyond what a normal person would ever consider doing 
that you have forfeited your rights as a human being. Mm-hmm. And assuming that there are no problems with your trial, assuming that you have done what has been said that you've done in this case in particular, once convicted, I don't think you should go to jail. I think we should shoot you in the fucking courthouse. This is one of those cases I would a hundred percent agree. There's there's not even circumstantial evidence here. Like it is all. If you have reached the point in your thinking as a human being where you can somehow justify this level of brutality and depravity, mm-hmm. you don't deserve to live anymore. You have forfeited completely the right to exist. Fair. Completely fair. People are fond of saying all life has meaning. No, it doesn't. Hitler, Stalin, Pot, Mao, this motherfucker. Your life doesn't have value. You you want to add another layer of fucked up to this case. There's two more layers of fucked up. Okay. Um, this is what this is taboos that I think are fucked up. Gary's house, right? That 3520 North Marshall Street in Philadelphia, North Philadelphia. Okay. It's possibly one of Philly's 13th most likely sites for haunting. What sucks is they sealed off the basement with concrete and then they remodeled the house into apartments. Of course they did. There's a chance that those people living in that house don't even fucking know what happened in that basement. That two women died and one was cannibalized. Right? It hurts the brain. Okay. Now I got to do one of these last minute. I got to explain something to explain something. And then this is going to wrap up everything with a bow, I hope. Okay. I was reading an article on the witonline.com, which I felt was relevant. So again, this is me explaining something, explain something. Okay. So do you know who Medusa is? Yes. Okay. Who is she? You mean the mythical creature with the snakes for hair? Yes. So her original origin story said that she was born a Gorgon. And a Gorgon is that what you just described. Hideous venomous snakes for hair on this woman. And, And all those who beheld her would turn to stone. And the Gorgon actually is a name derived from ancient Greek, meaning dim, grim or dreadful. Okay. What happens is, is there's actually another backstory for Medusa. Please hang in there with me. I swear it's going to make sense. See, we have to look at Metamorphosis, which is written by Ovid. Okay. About 1080. Or one, yeah, 180. I don't know, early on. So he writes that she was gorgeous, highly attractive woman. And Medusa had caught the eye of Poseidon. And as he coveted her, right, he couldn't have her because she had taken a vow of chastity in, to honor her goddess Athena, who is a virgin goddess. So as we know, consent is not a thing amongst ancient Greek gods. And Poseidon viciously attacks and rapes Medusa inside of this sacred temple of Athena. Now, Athena gets pissed, blames Medusa, the victim, and punishes her with a mug so ugly that it would turn those people to stone. 
In the article, I'm going to quote for a minute. It says, it's a tragedy not to mention that Ovid writes that the punishment was well earned by Medusa. Because if a woman was raped, the first question is, what is she doing to put herself in danger? I could almost see Athena's process What is Medusa wearing? What does Medusa look like? Why is she alone in that temple? Of course, she deserves to be punished, end quote. The version of this myth collides with all versions of it, where Perseus decapitates her, claims the head as a prize to weaponize her. This woman was violated, punished by the goddess or the woman who had the power to help her. She is demonized, stripped of her identity, not only by her attacker, but by bystanders, to be violently murdered. And this story is hard to process, but this is kind of what happened to Josephina. Okay. There was so much victim shaming for her after this case broke. Okay. She, they're like, oh, she was an accomplice. She knew what she was doing. They completely rejected the fact that she was a victim. She was trying to survive and she was trying to save the girls in the basement. Okay. There is a video from the 80s that I watched on YouTube that said victim or accomplice? Question mark. I almost threw up. Literally almost. That could just be clickbaiting. No, no, no. This is the original footage from her recorded interview from the 80s. There are several video clips that were legitimately from the time that asked the question, was she an accomplice? Publicly. Publicly. And... They're, they're, they're like, the mentality is like, okay, she was asking for it because she was a prostitute. Was she stupid for putting herself at risk? Was she a monster because she helped Gary? And did it matter that her captor had abused and tortured her to the point of stripping her of her identity? And I just, I, I saw this with Anthony Sobel too, because the girls were crack addicted that he managed to murder and viciously rape. Okay. And I'm just, I just, I have to, I just have to say it and then I'm done. The real monsters are the rapists like Poseidon, the abusers like Perseus. Okay. And the victim shamers like Thena and Ovid murder and rapists like Anthony Sowell and Gary Heidnick are the monsters. And I don't understand how people cannot actively choose to look further into a victim's story. The only time she finally got recognized for being a badass is shortly after she got her book out. And she shouldn't have had to do that. I mean, yay for you making you know money and making the best life possible for yourself and starting a family. You're a badass and I respect the shit out of you. But it took a book to explain her side of the story. Why? Because people are trash. And not in the fun, not in the fun brandy way of people are trash. People are actually trash. How do you victim shame? Like that happened to your lady. She she was shamed and convicted of murder, which was clearly self-defense and a a mental break caused by abuse of said person. <clears throat> well, let's end this tragedy train for the night. Yeah, you win. because all it's right, now one in the morning, and you've worked all you've worked all day, and I well have nothing to do except go watch the Great British Baking Show. But that's neither here nor there. I need Animal Crossing after this, so I'm with you. Why don't you give me weird but true, please? So I had one, and then I found a different one that's even better. Okay. And it make it good. I, I really need a good one right now. Have you heard of the, the Dakar rally? Dakar? Dakar rally, yes. Not the car rally, Dakar. Yes. Never heard of it. Okay. It's a rally primarily through the desert in Dakar. 
right? Mm-hmm. So it's multiple days, multiple stages. It's you and your co-driver in a car together. And this isn't probably isn't your first time doing an event like this together. So you probably know each other pretty well. I just saw this on the Twitters that one of the drivers abandoned his co-driver in the middle of a stage and drove away. Wait, what? Yes. The tweet that I just read is there's mad and then there's and then there's parting ways with your co-driver less than halfway through a Dakar rally stage mad. Wow. He pulled the car over, told him to get the fuck out and drove the fuck away. Oh my god. I've never been that mad at anybody. That and that could have been a like that had to be an expensive decision, right? Like you have to out entry fees and sh- like. I I don't I I only read the headline. <laughs> we're in the middle of a podcast. You want me to read the whole goddamn thing while we're in the middle of a podcast? I'm trying to be a professional here. While being on Twitter, you're a professional. <laughs> I wanted to say procrastinator, but it didn't like it didn't come out right. So yes, the guy <laughs> got pissed off and dropped his co-driver off in the middle of a stage and just went bye and zipped away. Great. Hi, Sherlock. Fun times. Okay. So, so that, that is definitely weird but true. Definitely weird but true. So we are at the very, very end, so you know what that means. Yes, I have to find a number. No, it uh, means non-offensive dare time. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. Yes, that's my. I have to find the number. I have to pick a number. Okay. Also, cat. Cat. See? My cat. cat. Look at him. Look how cute he is. Look how cute he is. Look how cute he is. Anyway, um, I don't know. give me a range. It's all over the board now. It's hit or miss. Okay. Let's do 53. Did it. Did it? Damn it. Yeah, it was uh, Winchester. You weren't here for that. Uh, 26. Did it. Pick something around 26. Okay, we're going to close my eyes. In my finger and point. Hmm. Okay. Dare number 38. Close enough. <laughs> Replace something that was lost, forgotten, or broken. Okay. There you go. Mm-hmm. You can interpret that however you want. I'm just going to repeat it one more time. Your non-offensive dare this week is to replace something that was lost, forgotten, or broken. That's it. That's all I got for you. We're done. We're going to need to find something later next week. I don't know. I can handle another. I can't do serial killers back to back. We'll figure something out. All right. I'm going to go play Animal Crossing. 
Yins have I'm a great watch, break. I'm going to go watch Great British Bake Off. Yeah, let's do it. Bye, right. guys. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.